Friends and neighbors, welcome to Last Minute Politics. We're recording this episode in the past because I'm I'm taking a couple of weekends where I will be around the world in 80 days, but not really around the world, just around North America. I'm going to my brother's wedding, uh, oh geez, next weekend, which I have no idea what date it'll be when this thing comes out. And then the weekend you're listening to this, I'm probably at Confuror in Guadalajara, Mexico, doing a little concert. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much to our patrons who are hanging out in the chat with us, listening to this live. If you want to hear these episodes when they are recorded, rather than like a week and a half later, become a Patreon at patreon.com slash lastminutepolitics. Today I am talking to Cassidy Civit. Hello. Say hi, Cassidy. What's up? Hi. <laughs> What's up? Well, um, it's been a busy day for me. Been on the ground for this campaign, knocking on doors, you know. Cassidy, I don't want to ape your whole intro here. Tell us what uh, you you have had a busy day. We we scheduled this in between. You're, you've been door knocking and helping out with yeah, helping out with campaign. Tell us about the campaign and also like where. Not all of our listeners are American, but a whole bunch of them are from the U.S. So tell us what's going on with you. Well, I live up north of America, of, of the United States of America. I live in Canada, uh, close to the border uh, in Vancouver on the west coast. And right now in my province, in British Columbia, it is election year, but for municipal elections, the most glamorous level of government. City politics, yay. (laughs) (laughs) So you say election year and for local politics, at least in the U.S., like local elections, see, they happen, it's not at random, but every locality sets its own schedule. So if I'm going to vote for like mayor of Phoenix, uh, I can't even vote for Mayor Phoenix. I live across the street from Phoenix. Mayor of <laughs> Glendale, Arizona. Uh, that election, it, it, I always am voting while it's either a midterm or general election, but they are not, there's not like some, oh, this will be the year where we do local elections. <laughs> is it like that in Vancouver where do all the local elections happen at the same time everywhere? Or is it based on the province or what? Um, that is actually very accurate. It does happen at the same time, same weekend for the whole province. I don't think it's the whole country. I think each province sets their own uh, election days for municipal. And actually, in 2018, the last election, it was the first time that they even put in the four-year term rule. Uh, before that, it was three years. So there was an election in 2011, 2008, 2005, 2002, and so on. But now we're four years. So this is all. these are all decisions that are made by higher levels of government. Did they move to four years just to be like the U.S. president? <laughs> I mean... Because you say three years and it hits me. I'm like, three years? What? But then four... Oh, yes, four years. The reasonable. But like, why? It's just like traditional to me that it's four years. <laughs> so it seems like correct to my brain. I don't know. What yeah. was the reception of moving from three to four years? Oh, the reception of that, I think it was fine. Uh, I don't think anyone was that upset about it. I think four years makes more sense. But the fact that they had been operating at three-year terms for like a hundred years is, (laughs) uh, you know, some people were upset, but that's not at all an election issue anymore. What? uh, Give us some specifics on the race you're talking about. I don't want to... 
<laughs> I don't want to like yeah. podcast dox you. So tell us uh, <laughs> as much information as you're comfortable talking about. Like, sure. what's the race? Who's the opponent? What's like the general situation on the ground? Like, is this like a heated race or is it, oh, you know, well, mayor? Kind of is actually. So there is quite a bit of context to this, but I will try and keep it focused on this election. Um, basically, there's only two candidates for mayor on the ballot. One of them is my dad, uh, Steve Milani, who is running and has been on council for the last four years. He's only been in one term for council. And his opponent for mayor is 26-year council incumbent Megan Lottie, who... Uh, so they're not 26 years old. They've, been, they've had this job for 26 years. <laughs> yes, they've been in and out of office since 1996, so... They are a legacy politician for this city, absolutely. And this election is going to determine the future of my little city, Port Moody. Uh, For people that know the Vancouver area, Vancouver is actually one of the smallest metropolitan areas in North America. You could overlay like LA, Toronto, New York, or anything on top of like Vancouver, and it's much, much bigger. It's almost like double the size. So Density is a big issue in this election, and Vancouver is known for skyscrapers and stuff, but as you venture eastward, you go towards the Rocky Mountains and the big, big pine tree forests in British Columbia and in Canada, and as you make your way there, the cities get a little smaller, they get a little bit more spread out, and that's where you'll find Port Moody. We are connected to Vancouver by the SkyTrain, but we are our own municipality. Uh, One of the fun facts that I like to bring up with Port Moody is that we actually also have our own police force. Uh, we don't use the RCMP. We don't use uh, the Canadian government police. We have our own private police for Port Moody. So like we're a very independent municipality. And so there's a lot of eyes on us this election, especially after our neighboring cities, both mayors uh, in Burnaby and Port Coquitlam got acclaimed, which means they ran unopposed and they got the job right away. Port Moody is the only race in the Tri-Cities. So there's a lot of eyes on us this year. So what are the what are the concerns of local of local citizens? <laughs> I'm, I'm a very foolish person in politics, where I'm like, let's talk about policy. And the, the elections have, uh, at least in the U.S., have extremely little to do with policy and much more to do with a combination of like team sports, rah rah rah, and lies. <laughs> oh, there like, are who lies. tells the most fun lie? Like, Believe I'm going to forgive your student loan debt. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> like, I'm going to make weed legal. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> hey, I'm still, Is I'm in th- Canada. We've had legal weed since 2018. I'm praying for y'all in the U.S. Well, not praying, but, you know, sending all my best thoughts and investing my money in the developing cannabis markets. Are things quite as cynical there? Is uh, I like to, th- I, I say all the time that uh, Canada is the U.S. just like 10 years in the past because, <laughs> oh, we're having our big mass shooting incidents down here. And, oh, Canada. Oh, no. Like, we're having our police brutality shit. Oh, look, Canada's coming. We can, we're uh, just like being like uh, systematically terrible to uh, First Nations people. Oh, Canada. Look, we're finding mass graves. Oh, <laughs> Canada, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? That's come up a lot. Uh, reconciliation and trying to make... Uh, good with the atrocities has been a a point of the election a little bit. Some people would like it to take a bigger focus, but it's come up at the debates for council and mayor for Port Moody that every candidate on the stage is basic is white. There is no uh, non-white representation on this ballot 
period, except for school board trustee, where the two-term incumbent, Lisa Park, uh, a Korean teacher, is uh, running again. And we love her, and we're definitely voting for Lisa Park. But that's it. She's the only non-white candidate on the entire <laughs> election sheet here. So diversity is a huge problem uh, on the ballot. Vancouver and another city near us, uh, Surrey, are both looking at possibly electing their first non-white mayor ever. And Surrey would be, uh, it would be a big deal there because they are majority uh, POC. They're majority like East Asian descent. There's a lot of uh, Sikhs and a lot of people from India in Surrey. And they've never had a mayor of color, period. So there's going to be a lot of changes after this election. And the election's on October 15th, by the way. It's coming up. October 15th. This may air, I think it's going to air like, one day <laughs> one day before the election so this probably won't be a horribly effective campaign method but then i don't I think mean, it if, will be can you imagine convincing anybody's any mind is changing based on oh i gotta listen to pepper's podcast <laughs> now i know who to vote for in my i mean the chances Canadian are watch. the only people that are going to listen to this from port moody are going to be the people who have been hounding me online uh, going after me because apparently I'm the one whose name's on the ballot because I'm a furry with an online <laughs> internet presence. So they're going to listen and they've already been rifling through all my tweets, trying to find anything they can on my dad, which is really like y'all are spending campaign time going through a furry's tweets, like have fun, I guess, but you just sound really old and miserable people. Like, I don't want to engage with you. You are not like key to what the city is representing right now. Are you the Hunter Biden of this situation? Do you have a laptop? A, a <laughs> I've made that joke before. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, uh, one of the people that's on council is Hunter Madsen. So there is a Hunter in our politics. So I'm <laughs> like, and he's said at council meetings that the the toxicity in Port Moody is very much like the U.S. right now. And people in Port Moody on the other side of this election were like, gasp. Hunter, how could you say that? Canada's so much better and so much more civilized in the U.S. <laughs> you can't say anything about Canada's being similar to the U.S. without really, really pissing off people whose entire identity is not being American. That's why I like the minus the the ten years in the past part because the part uh, it sort of puts the onus on people. It's like yes, and that means you have ten years to not do the exact same shit we've been like. You know, Canadians talk about privatizing their healthcare system. It's like really, it's a dirty word. Do you want that <laughs> dirty word? Is that actually what we want? Private healthcare, <laughs> boo. I'm glad because like once you once people have a thing, once they enjoy uh, a thing in their lives that is good for them, such as like ability to go to a doctor and access healthcare without having to destroy your life financially, it is more difficult to then convince them that they should give that up. Yes. But it's not impossible. We watched uh, what was it, the UK privatize their rail service and they're like, wow, public transit suddenly sucks. And now it's owned by a bunch of foreign companies, which I, I, that's not super important to me that, oh, everyone must be owned. Everything must be owned locally. But it is kind of a, a the whole like the same people who would support Brexit, British national like independence and sovereignty. Well, now your rail is owned by a bunch of Dutch and German companies. Yeah. Great. Good job for the UK. Well done, I so, guess. So how cynical has it gotten over? Like, what what are the, when I say, what are the actual issues facing your community? And then what are the issues that are being publicized? So uh, what I said about Port Moody being beside Vancouver is true. And it's also uh, become a bit of a thoroughfare, I think is the right word for it, where we're in between some of the smaller, more spread out suburban communities out further east into B.C., 
but to the west of us is the dense, dense Vancouver with all where a lot of the, let's say the higher end jobs tend to be. So people who don't want to live in Vancouver are living out in the sort of the boonies area. And so they're driving through Port Moody and we have one road. So the traffic has been a huge issue. We have one road here and the other candidate has also been very in favor of building high rise condos along that main road. So it's already backed up to hell every day at rush hour. But they're talking about putting in like 5,000 to 10,000 new residents of condos along this. And we're at the waterfront. I don't know how your geography is, but Port Moody is at the end of an inlet. Vancouver is right on the coast. And as the inlet goes in, we were, are at the end. We wrap around the inlet. So we have a beautiful waterfront. We've got a beautiful view right on the water, mountains and trees and everything. So the conversation about condos is just like, no, we should not be having that. Yeah, what is the, because that's got to be, to, again, to, be, to bring up cynicism again, that's got to be extremely valuable, like high value real estate, not only to Canadians, but I know that Vancouver, uh, Vancouver and Foreign everywhere, investors. every city. Yeah, people show up and they're like, hi, I am from blank country. I have a bajillion dollars and I would like to buy several <laughs> buildings here. I will be here one day a year at most. Yeah, and the other rest of the time it'll be an Airbnb. <laughs> I know, but uh, that's really what the election has been about. And given that the opponent, Megan well, Lottie, has been in office for 26 years, people are starting to get wise to what she says. And it's becoming more clear than ever that someone like her who's been in that long is saying anything to get elected because suddenly now she's the let's slow the development guys, even though she's voted. My dad <laughs> did a really great video on his campaign Facebook page where he clipped council meetings of votes for condo developments. And so the video is called uh, 30 towers in 30 seconds, which is like her approving all these t like condos and everything across <laughs> the city. And then she denies it at the debate. She's like, I've only voted for three towers. Like, Oh, Lottie, don't you get tired of lying publicly? Like, I guess not. 26 years in office and you're trying for mayor now. This is where I run into where, where it, if you listen, only listen to like, I don't know, the first sentence I say, it sounds like I'm saying something worse than I'm actually saying. <laughs> uh, there has been a big thing in the U.S. like TM hashtag copyright. Not that the idea behind this I disagree with, but I'm talking about the like the NGO of land back. Mm. The idea that native land should be returned to native people because that concept absolutely i am 100 i am on board with i think sovereignty is a good thing especially for like us and occupied people who have been heavily colonized like in the u.s canada similarish situations yeah. europeans showed up took their shit well and i mean i'm not that like canadian i'm my mom's from mexico my dad's italian yeah. i don't have a drop of canadian blood in me i was just born here so i know that this is not like I exist as a Canadian because I am from these different like people that have moved into this land that was not originally ours. But now that we're here, we have to try and make good with the the people that used to live on this land or that still live on this land. And it's too bad that there's no candidates in the in the race that are that representative of the diverse population here. You're, you are a result of the Canadian version of the melting pot that the U.S. has as well, where many generations removed, like my dad was not a, I don't know, uh, what is it, East Indy, uh, <laughs> an East Indy Company employee. <laughs> you know, better, I mean, yeah, the Hudson Bay Trading Company, the big fur trade up in Canada, like Ooh. that's, yeah, that's, there's a big, big history there. 
So you talk about the building of condos because this all kind of comes down to uh, like the general word housing crisis. Yes. My fear is that land. It's not that my fear is that if you give land to just give, I'm already using words here. Give <laughs> it wouldn't be given. It'd be like sold and contract and leased. Yep. Uh, give land uh, to the to the people who originally lived here. My fear is that. If it is always in the hands of private land developers, that they will use First Nations people as essentially a cudgel to say, no, if you say we can't build these luxury condos that will only be sold to billionaires who may or may not even live in this country or whatever, you are racist because you're not letting them them determine what to do with their land. It's like, well, you're the big rich land developer who's making all the decisions and you're the tiny four person board of directors that gets to keep all of the money from it. So is that land back or is it just land shuffled around and we stuck a brand on it so we yeah. can keep doing the exact same kind of shit Under we've been new doing ownership. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we would like to lease this reservation and build a casino. And it's like, oh. <laughs> one of the, we're right back to the same issues we're talking about. One of the facts that I like to mention uh, on the doorstep while I've been door knocking during this election is uh, that in 2018, when my dad got elected to city council for the first time, uh, there's only six councillors elected. There were 14 that ran. So out of the six that got elected, he came fifth in the vote count. So he didn't come last. You know who came last was his opponent, Megan Lottie, who continues <laughs> to slip <laughs> 26 years in. People are so tired of her. And the here's the punchline, though, is that she came in sixth. You know who came in seventh? One spot shy of making it onto Port Moody City Council was Tasha Evans, who would have been the first indigenous counselor, period. And it's like she like when Megan Lottie is talking about, oh, we need to make room. We need to allow for new voices in City Hall. Like, do you not have the self-awareness to think that maybe you need to step down and make room for those voices? Because you can say, let's have new voices, but you're still the loudest voice at the table, Megan. So what kind of keeping things on like housing crisis and uh, assuming that you live in a town where real estate is an absolute premium yep. and uh, it's got to be like crazy expensive to live there. How do you like what kind of policies? And I, I I'm, this isn't meant to be a gotcha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, no. What kind of policies can lead to affordability for local residents uh, while, I don't know, resisting? Because it's not that I just don't want anybody to be able to move to a place. I just don't think they should be able to move there and buy an entire city block and then kick everybody yeah. out of their houses so they can build a condo. Yeah, rent evictions were a big thing that was uh, in the news last time. I think a lot Did of the Did you laws... say rent eviction, like, like renovate eviction? Yes. Ooh. Rent eviction... I haven't heard that word before, but yeah, it's good. That was a huge thing in the last election in Burnaby, but I think that they've a lot more laws have been passed to prevent that. But that's basically what you were saying. Thankfully, that's not happening as much in Port Moody. People are definitely still selling their houses and moving elsewhere. Uh, there's a, a very great hashtag that was started uh, yesterday by a resident that commented on a post that my dad did on his Facebook that was like, if Steve doesn't win for mayor, this city is going to become unlivable and undrivable with all the condos that Megan's going to put in. So I'm hashtag Steve or leave. And I was just like, we were all floored at that incredible hashtag because you couldn't pay a hundred political Steve. action group committees to come up with something that good. And I know a, because we have NDP campaign It's a catchy slogan, but it's people. like, are you going to leave? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'd be over here like, Steve, leave. And then Steve was, well, I don't want to. Uh. But no, that's where it's at right I now like because property here. values have gone way, way up. 
they're talking about building so many towers. They want to push the current population of Port Moody is 33,000 for the small end of inlet city. And they already have a growth target of 50,000 people by 2041. And we're already on track to pass that. But there's some people running in this election, and Megan Lottie included, and a lot of her slate of, can of pro developer candidates have. Uh, they're saying they're citing the census because we did a census in Canada in 2018 or 2016, I think it was one of those years. And the results said that Port Moody went down in population by a whole like 15 people, 15 people population decrease. So the headline becomes Port Moody population on the decline. And so now you have all the, those pro developer, pro condo candidates that are like Port Moody's uh, on the decline. We need to build much more. We need to build denser high rises and denser everything. But the population went down because the houses have been bought and they're empty, guys, that they're knocked down, guys. Like there's going to be developments with 5,000, 10,000 new people in the city, but they haven't been built yet. So when you're saying that the population's gone down, it's so disingenuous. It's so wrong. It's the facts. You know, it's a skewing of the facts, just like it's always a slant, right? I don't want to shock you, but I am a communist. So <laughs> I am pro, I'm pro like just the capital D overall development, because I think things should develop because that's, oh, that's yeah. how we development uh, raise is people's standard of living. Development How is inevitable. We, yeah, exactly. So the solution, I don't know, solution, the, <laughs> the, the, the way I would like development to continue would be just to super shorthand it, public housing. Yeah. Where, yes, build new housing, but how can we keep it from becoming a uh, going to the highest bidder luxury housing, which is all they ever seem to be building where I live as well. So they seem to be building anywhere. Some uh, yeah. corporation from another state or province over says, "I'm gonna, we're gonna build this apartment complex. Rent starts at, you know, twenty four hundred dollars a month, and they aren't even very good. <laughs> but you know, this is luxury premium housing. Like, wow. how do we prevent that from happening? What is public housing? What is that situation in Canada? Because I've heard of rules, at least in Toronto. Because I know, like, if you say to any Canadian condos, they go, "Oh, <laughs> like that's the big issue. Too many condos shoving people out of where they live." And I've heard, is there is there a, an actual rule that if you own more than one property? And it's unoccupied that you you get like a crazy tax bill or a big fine or did I just make that up? I think that there are laws for empty and vacant properties. Uh, they've certainly done that to prevent that speculative foreign ownership uh, empty housing because that empty houses don't do anyone any good. So I'm pretty sure there are laws for that now. But as someone who could probably never dream of owning a house, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know specifically, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that those laws have well been passed. Uh, but as it for what like we can do, because you said, right, like running for office, we can do things, we can change things. So what can we do on the city level is that we have something called the OCP, which is the o official community plan. And it's supposed to get brought up to council and voted <laughs> central on central planning, Soviet Union. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Central planning, I guess. Uh, but what it is, is it's supposed to be a guide for developers that want to build in the city. So it does require that developments get submitted with with uh market rental at least market rental housing or apartments that are market rent anything like that's the bare minimum but even still there are developers that propose towers and where they're like hey uh could you can we not do that and unfortunately the majority on council right now has been saying yes so yes go ahead and build six new towers with no market rentals even 
And what is market? This uh, this has got to be a term in Canada that's common because I've never heard it before. What is market rent? Is that like a a, a max or minimum? Like yeah. So market rent is set by uh, what would be the uh, I guess the quote unquote affordable rate for the area. So market rental is what the market sets, and it's not the as price gougy in theory, but it's still so it's far not from the perfect. free market. Because yeah. free market would be whatever you can get. This is some kind of Canadian. Is that a federal thing where the Canada as a whole sets it, or does uh, I think it's like provincial? BC set it. I think okay. it is provincial, provincially set. Uh, the big fight, obviously, is for below market housing because that gets into you know helping out people that can't pay three thousand dollars a month for a one bedroom apartment, which <laughs> is damn near close to what they say is market rental, and it's still insane. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, me and Moore are so insanely lucky that us in, in Glendale, we, we got a house right as uh, COVID was happening. And I'm in Glendale, Arizona, which is not some hugely sought after. It's not of like a, a, a vacation area. Like we have, that's where the, the Arizona card, football Cardinals play. <laughs> that's like way over to the side. Like we are not a fancy neighborhood by any means. And we got an insane deal getting a, it's, it's only a quarter million dollars for our house. And all the ones around us are 400,000. Our house apparently is not like it got tax evaled again by the, the state. And they're like, yeah, this house is worth $400,000. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, how is that even possible? This house was built in 1969. Wow. Like, there's nothing faint. This is a normal working class house in a normal working class neighborhood. Like, everybody around me, they're like pool dudes and landscapers. And they've just had the, the house in the family for like three generations. Mm -hmm. And it's even happening here. You're near, like, Vancouver, you have Waterfront, which always inflates prices yeah. to a crazy degree. See, like, you're definitely like, hitting the nail right on the head with that. When my parents bought this house that we are living in now, uh, it was a knockdown, and my dad built the whole house uh, by hand himself in the early 2000s. Uh, and when they bought it, I think that they bought the the land and the knockdown house for just over 200 grand, something like that. And the house got evaluated by the government. Now, the house that's been built now and the value of the land, it's well over 1 million. Over a million? And yeah. <laughs> I think it's peaked at a value of 1.5 million, but it's dropped a little bit since that craziness. The market is definitely getting ready to crash. I'm looking forward to it. That's all millennials. Get ready. <laughs> We're all like standing Gen on the Z. start like, three, two, one, go. <laughs> <laughs> I have been wearing my uh, Gen Z hat a little bit more lately because I'm like, well, I'm not a millennial. I wasn't born in 1985. I was born in 1998. <laughs> so I guess I'm Gen Z begrudgingly, but the last of the 90s born uh, Gen Z, I guess. So more pessimistic. <laughs> people i've i've had other people my age and older say how oh, what's how come kids are so weird and i'm like i think just knowing from a very young age at least in america that you're not gonna get health care ever you're not gonna own a house ever your job's probably gonna suck like i think it does something to your brain and they haven't given up i'm very proud of them you think they'd be all just doomers but <laughs> no they're like wacky you're like woo nothing matters fuck it well yolo like but actually like you only live like this is it everybody <laughs> i wish that there be. was more ambition in that i definitely see the nihilist perspective in that and i'm a, definitely a bit of a jaded nihilist myself in in regards to the future but when you're saying like people got to run for office people got to step up that's what's going on 
uh, that's always my first thought when people are complaining about the way things are is that you should be getting involved and on the ground. I was listening to uh, one of the some more news podcasts. I think it was uh, months and months ago. Someone was on there and they were saying, like, you have not engaged politically until you've had a door slammed in your face, period. Like, I, I get it. There's a lot of online slacktivists out there that think that they're doing such a big job by signing every change.org petition that comes in front of their into their email inbox. But there's a lot more to do than that. And people got to be willing to get out there and get on the ground. That's what I've been doing. I've done it at every level of government for city government, for provincial and for federal. I have helped out in different campaigns uh, anytime I can. I'm door knocking. I, I'm on the ground and I got asked to run. Actually, I got asked to run by the Green Party provincially in the last election. But I, I they, they phoned me and I'm, I respond to them. I'm like, I'm already helping the NDP incumbent get back in. So I, I really don't want to run against him. And that guy was an animator. He worked on Shrek. So you can't beat that. So <laughs> <laughs> worked on Shrek. Yep. Green uh, working on Shrek. The I had friends right in high Cassidy. school <laughs> that said that they were voting for him because he worked on Shrek. So is Shrek in the green party? <laughs> <laughs> green party. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's NDP. So that's orange, which is my other, which is my number one color. So the freaking joke because shrek is green yes uh, the, the shrek party so uh actually last week our i ended up talking about uh electoralism like the idea that we can create change and I, I was gonna say positive change like no just change at all mm-hmm. even negative change like any kind of change uh using uh the u.s electoral system i know the, the canadian electoral system isn't it is different. Like you have a parliament, you have far more parties than just two. Mm-hmm. But but when it comes to kind of like where the U.S. ends up in, where it's like, are any of those parties actually trying to push large change? Yes. Karl Marx himself says that yeah, we should go and vote if it is for revolution. <laughs> if you are voting for a revolutionary party, or at the very least for revolutionary candidates within so, a party yeah in the u.s you just can't if you're revolutionary and you're a democrat they just kneecap you like you saw bernie sanders was the most revolutionary dude we've ever had like take the national stage technically not a like, democrat oh. either i know but what does he say now he says vote for joe biden he says vote for democrats blue no matter who shut up and just go to <laughs> get in the line and stick your fucking name in the d party box which I didn't need a whole like to have my whole life uprooted and like I'm gonna go around and like you're talking about knocking on doors to oh vote for Democrats yeah we already know that shit oh yeah it, I mean I it's think not that it's on that me. level it's pushed me farther yeah on that Seriously. level I don't think it's as necessary to like well I mean for the change to vote one or the other yes but I think it's a lot harder in the U S on that level like federally there's a guy Michael Hudson I pulled the name out. Michael Hudson, an American economist, who the more of the, every, the more of his stuff I read, the more I'm like, man, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. Like he actually sees the world as it is, not as it like should. Like most economists, they they study at least in the U.S. They don't study the economy; they study the model for how the economy should work. It's like, well, according to our rules, supply demand numbers should be going up. Like how inflation is just out of control in the U.S. And all the economists are like, we don't understand. Inflation is supposed to work like this because they don't actually study the economy. Economy. They study how the economy is supposed to work yeah. and then try and make excuses for why. Michael Hudson talks about, this isn't even an economic, well, it, everything's economics. Uh, the The idea he has sparked, and ooh, sure would be cool if this worked, is to attain local office 
and then just start doing stuff. Like, truly test the boundaries of your local power. For instance, the example I like most is, you're the, you're whatever mayor, head of blank small town. You couldn't do this in, like, Philadelphia. You'd have to be a smaller uh, municipality to make this work. And just say, all right. As of today, I'm signing this order. If you live in your house, you live in your house. You can't get kicked. You can't get evicted. Period. Like if you yourself live there, not like oh, I rent the. Like, I I own twenty houses and fifty. Now your house, you live in it now. If your uh, landlord comes to kick you out, I will send. I will use everything under my power. I'll send the local police to come and arrest you. And in the U.S., everybody has local police. You're saying your municipality has local police, but that's like strange. Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is actually. Uh it's become an election issue not for Port Moody because we have n- had never had a it's never come up that we're like we should switch to the RCMP. No, but other cities in the area are like we should start getting our own private municipal police forces. So they're copying our ideas, but we've had it for over 100 years. So we've had way more police accountability in our city than like anywhere else in the lower mainland really. In Vancouver, I'm sure that there's people conservatives in Canada who would be like, "Oh, the crime in Vancouver I've definitely seen a lot of anti-crime candidates, but I don't think they're... That's Again, it's not much of an issue. They're trying to make it an issue. Strange they're trying to make people having, afraid of homeless people, or uh, the unhoused, I guess. It's interesting that having local police for you equals more accountability. We're over here, there are so many different departments that they get to just kind of pass the buck to each other and be <laughs> like, no, it's their jurisdiction. No, it's theirs. It's their fault. It's, no, it's not us. I would love to see what would happen in the U.S. Because we've seen when people do what I just described, the, that the, the, that Michael Hudson idea of get local office and just start doing stuff. We've seen how that works like for the powers of evil, mm-hmm. and it works very well here in the U.S. Somebody decides to be a giant asshole, and it seems to take years of court battles. Flint's water, everybody knew that Flint's, Michigan, Flint's Michigan's water was messed up for a long, long time because yep. some local dude just decided to do it. And how many years did it take to undo that? Now, imagine you're doing that for something positive. You've already said, all right, everybody in town, you own your house. I don't give a shit. If the bank shows up, we're going to kick their ass. <laughs> like, if the if the FBI, sh- if the, the IRS shows up to do a federal tax lien on your house, we're going to arrest them. And then when they try to stop you, because they inevitably would, go fight them in court. You could probably drag that out for years. Yep. And meanwhile, you now have a whole municipality that is used to just, no, this is my house. I live here. F you. and then when the next guy tries to come in and undo that there's gonna be a whole bunch of people who are now you're like built-in organized resistance of what this is my house (laughs) mayor blah 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 said that it's my house (laughs) i asked mayor blah 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 he has my vote i think that would be cool if anybody says if you vote for me if i'll fight the banks and you get to keep your house like i'd be like absolutely sir what can i do ma'am how can i help with your election (laughs) yeah we need more not just like institution people to run for office or i I don't know if that uh, institution i mean more like people who have never been on the ground like post-secondary uh people who spend their whole political quote-unquote political career studying political science in the school like they're not on the ground they're not in the communities they're not like at the level of talking to people and actually getting to know what the problems are. They take on, I think, the much more like eagle perspective on things. But there's people down here, there's communities. And I've encountered this during this election where I've met a couple people that are like, you know, entrenched in the schooling right now. And they're like, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my options open. And I'm like, what is there to even think about? We have one candidate who wants towers everywhere and one candidate who doesn't want towers everywhere. 
And even going more basic facts than that, uh, on one of the recent mailouts that my dad's campaign did, uh, Megan Lottie, who is the 26-year councillor that I mentioned is running for mayor, she's had the worst attendance on council of anyone. And say what you will about Trump, but when he pointed out that Marco Rubio had the worst attendance in the Senate, that was the one true thing he said. So, like, Lottie has the worst attendance even during the time of COVID when you could, like, go into meetings from your own house. That was still not enough for her. She would show up and then just quit mid-meeting when stuff wasn't going her way. So it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) This is not a debate. I don't care what, like, university you're in. What are you talking about? She's not even showing up for work. It would be very cool to have things run by people who are at least cognizant of the issues of ev- that everyone has. Because we all have common ones. Where do we live? What do we eat? Can we take care of ourselves if we get sick? I'm not even necessarily anti-tower if the towers were like the people's tower. <laughs> like, yeah. These are our municipal housing. We own these towers and, uh, oh shit, homeless people. All right, stick you in this town. Uh, we have uh, rent controls where, oh yes, uh, local people, you your your rent will be whatever you know minimum viable amount. <laughs> I think a lot of people- Rent control will be fantastic. In the Vancouver area, largely all the way to Port Moody and beyond, are- starting to see it. They're get they're sweating now. Property values have gone insane. I know I had an, a, a friend who lived here for work in Vancouver has just moved to the US and he's like a chemical engineer because he can't afford to live here. That is appalling. That's disgusting. <laughs> like money is bullshit. We made it up. Uh, so I I just don't understand this like the fear that everyone has right now about like oh the housing like uh it's all going to come crashing down. The government has to step in because the line can't go up forever. And that seems to be what people are betting on. At least in the keep building houses, people can't afford to live in. And then more and more people live on the street and they're like, Oh, these homeless people. It's like, yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. I wonder why it impossible to live. There's going to be a lot of shakeups here. Yeah. non-related topic that you will at least be able to give me some input some input on of all the guests i have you'll definitely be able to comment on this in the u.s uh we have a mascot that we put in place almost a hundred years ago uh called Smokey the bear who is the anti-forest fire mascot Uh, apparently in like the 50s people were going into national parks and just setting fires like just walking away <laughs> not making not putting them out just recreationally letting shit on fire and i mean who hasn't i mean that's just but a good after time. this is from revel stoke review <laughs> the headline is smoky bear heads for retirement as bc wildfire introduces ember the fox that's why it says bc wildfire which i do not think is british columbia <laughs> i think that no that's bc because revelstoke is in bc is it yeah is i stayed there joint? earlier this year this is a canadian american uh, joint venture here <laughs> it might be i think that uh i think the ownership of it is that Smokey the bear is owned by the u.s park service and so that's what they're ending is the collaboration between those two and they're establishing a canadian symbol for fire smart stuff so we have ember the fox now or ember the fire smart fox i guess uh not a pyro fox uh he doesn't set (laughs) fires so revel stuck revel stoke is about 
Jeez, how far is that? It's like a, mm, 75, 100 miles from the Washington border. It's like almost straight north of Spokane. Mm. Wow. Yeah, Revelstoke right. is into the interior. That was what we would call it. <laughs> Past the Rocky mm. Mountains is Revelstoke, or into the Rocky Mountains. Heck, while I'm here, I might be able to zoom in on your on your town. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can see Port Moody right there at the end of the inlet in, near Vancouver. You can, like, that's why I said, how much is your geography... There's not a lot of cities in the world that are built around an inlet. You all have this. You got the same kind of. Uh, oh, okay. Is it by? I'm looking at Squamish. How close is it to that? Uh, not. Is it the other side of the like the harbor? You're I've heard, still in the interior. When I was interior, I think. When I'm talking about uh, when I'm talking about land back, the uh, the Squamish people are occasionally held up as an example of success. Mm-hmm. But it's Van- what it actually became, or it's not became, started from the beginning. It's another Vancouver like condo development where they built a bunch of luxury housing. Like, well, no, 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 sixteen percent of it is affordable housing, and it's wow. like fuck off. You're using them as a shield. You're using native people as a shield for your bourgeois white people neo-colonial settler fucking project and you're just going like no look we got this guy to sign off on it now it's all okay right (laughs) yep yeah that's what happens but anyway this is supposed to be the lighter topic yes ember the fox has been introduced if you haven't googled it yet google ember the fox it's a very cute mascot like i'm not a big fan of just mascots in general even as a kid i was kind of i wanted to be away from from chuck e cheese oh my Uh, my mom has a story where she tells me she took me to a a barney show when i was very little and i would i refused to go up to barney (laughs) you didn't want to I was not here. I, w- I wanted to observe costumed characters from a distance. Barney's not hot. <laughs> not close. No. Not hot? No. Yeah, it'd be very difficult to sexualize Barney. I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> I'm sure furries have done it, but it's not. <laughs> no, Barney is not uh, Not on my, on my list. <laughs> Swipe left on Swipe Barney. left on Barney, yeah. <laughs> he might have a very successful syndicated TV show, but nah. Yo, there's a fucking documentary coming out about people working on Barney in the bad conditions. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because it's, it's a TV show. The fact that it's a children's TV show doesn't mean it's going to be any less hell to work on than any TV show. But yeah. yes, the I same kind of that. production awfulness. Wow. It's, I saw it popped up on my Twitter like, look at the real story of the making of Barney. <laughs> Here's part of this article. After a long and successful career, Smokey Bear is retiring in Revelstoke in an effort to change the way people think about fire. Stefan Hood of the BC Wildfire Service says they are trying to shift people's focus away from how to suppress fire towards how to live with it. <laughs> no. Oh. There's just going to be forest fires, everybody. <laughs> I mean, British Columbia, we get some of the worst forest fires, I think, in Canada because... Specifically because we are an enormous province and it's primarily trees and interior area and everyone just lives at the bottom of British Columbia in the little inlet. Everyone just lives an hour from the border. No one lives like the population heat map is drastic. So they are kind of correct. There's so many fires that happen in the interior that it's like, how can people even get there to extinguish them? Sometimes you just have to let them be. And uh, we get big smoke like clouds drifting down from the interior into the lower mainland because this is sea level so the smoke all goes down the mountain and comes here so we've had smoky days uh 
where the clouds and the sky is all orange and the whole outside smells like burning wood. Uh, the one of the parks actually near us, about a five minute drive from my house, Minicata Park caught on fire on October 2nd. And on the news, they were like an October forest fire. That is relatively unheard of, but it's still hot and dry here right now. I can only imagine how bad that means the snow will be later this year, but it's October 6th. I'm looking out my window right now and there's not a cloud in the sky and it's blue and it's hot. Yeah, it's still pretty warm here. Well, I live in the hottest area. You live in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) According to this is uh, totally tags off what you just said. According to the BC Wildfire Service last summer, which would be 2021, was the busiest wildfire season on record. And three of the last five years have all been in the top three. So there's already historically a bunch of forest fires there because, you know, you're in a heavily forested area of the continent. But then you add in all the the, the human activity and uh, the lack of the, the removal of what forest maintenance, I guess we'd call it. Yeah, because like when you get Trump on TV talking about how it's like, oh, in the in these other countries, they actually take like clear the brush out from their forests. Like it's yes, it's yeah, silly they need to sweep the forest floor that. Yeah, it's like silly and a joke, but also yet. Yeah, yes, <laughs> some amount of like humans can and have historically for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years messed around in the woods to try and either prevent or curtail or direct or forest fires, Mm. especially away from population centers. Like that is an actual thing. Keeping track of your woods so they don't just burn down your nearby town is possible. Hood said it's time to change the messaging from fires from all fires are bad to a more modern concept. Fire on the landscape can be a good thing, (laughs) said Hood. Did a fire write this? Uh, When it's done the proper way at a proper time. (laughs) Did a fire write this? (laughs) (laughs) Unlike other parts of, oh, here we go, Okanagan. Boom. Okanagan. uh, Is that close? Is it Okanagan? You don't, you underestimate like how vast a distance it is from vancouver to the next big canadian city in the province like from vancouver to edmonton it's a 15 hour drive so if you're talking about okanagan that's mm, i want to say five to eight hours yeah but i'm east if, I, I was expecting you to be like no pepper it is pronounced okane again or something <laughs> i mean there's some Okanagan. tricky there's some tricky uh names in bc they all sound relatively normal to me because i grew up with them but i can totally understand what you mean i'm in the same boat some of them are like indigenous inspired so i i know that there's not a lot of that in the u.s well in pennsylvania uh and hey this even works out even more canada we have a ton of native named things that have been frankified meaning written out you know what this means listeners francified meaning like written out as you would pronounce it in french because the french were over here doing beaver pelts and shit did the french make it uh, all the way over to vancouver was that oh, just no oh, was that the spanish and english uh yeah mostly the english uh the french just kind of gave up and stayed in quebec yeah like <laughs> this so like, i live in are we gonna get into quebec and french and stuff because i can go off i'm from conneautville conneaut conneautville <laughs> Which I'm sure was like, which is originally a native word, but it's written out with all kinds of EAUs and shit because it's, you know, Frankified. When I was in uh, Winnipeg earlier this year in the summer for their convention, Wild Prairie Furcon, where I'm guest of honor next year, thumbs up. Uh, they were the first con to ever ask officially. But when I was there, I stayed in an Airbnb that was off the right beside the Asaboni River. And I kept looking at the sign and I'm like, I don't know how to say this. I'm here and I'm like. This is a lot of letters and it's like, don't say ass bone. And... Don't say ass bone. Don't say ass bone. Yeah, ass bone. <laughs> it, it is literally spelled 
A-S-S-I-N-I-B-O-I-N-E. Assiniboine? <laughs> Assiniboine? I really, I don't know. Assiniboine, we got it. <laughs> Assiniboine. Unlike other parts of uh, Okanagan, Revelstoke is not typically in a fire-prone environment. However, Hood said that the it's lower true. stretch of Mount Revelstoke has been identified as a setting that could carry fire and threaten the community. Hood said that fire suppression in BC has broken the natural cycle of fire on the landscape. More than 10 mm. years ago, fires caused naturally by lightning or through cultural burning would, oh, he's talking about forest management, uh, cultural burning, cultural burning <laughs> would go through the Okanagan and uh, Columbia Valley, keeping the ecosystem in balance. So I actually kind of get what they're going I thought cultural burning was like one of the policies of the Republican Party right Cultural now. Cultural burn. We must burn your culture. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's one of their policies right now. So I sort of understand what they are talking about in that with, with Smokey, the mascot, the idea was like no fires ever, but yeah. our current understanding, I want to say modern understanding, but really it's not a modern understanding. We've, we've, we've known about this. Humans have known about this for a very long time. Forest fires are a natural thing. Certain seed, they taught me this in school, certain like seeds like they have to go through a forest fire to germinate and there's all kinds of like it is kind of built into the ecosystem yeah. of forests which doesn't mean the whole fires goddamn are built into the ecosystem yeah which doesn't mean the entire west coast of north america should naturally just be on extreme fire and blotting out the sun uh every other now, week you see i disagree with that i think that there's a few cities on the west coast that could use a little fire just gotta fire them up <laughs> San Francisco has been well overdue. They had a really famous one before. They should bring it back. Oh, no. Don't talk about our city fires. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not one to make light of, like, I can make jokes, but Port Moody has caught on fire multiple times in the last few years. Not our fires, but just buildings, just, like, seemingly spontaneously combusting out of nowhere. I literally, there were... You want me to bring up Halifax? <laughs> I'm one of five Americans. About that, Halifax. I'm one of five Americans that knows about the Halifax disaster. The Halifax disaster. Halifax. So uh, the U.S. did not used to always be good buddy friends with Canada, and in fact, we uh, uh, considered invading many, many times. Tried a couple times. The Canada invaded here. Don't make us burn, burn down, down the, your White House yeah, again. Burn down the White House. All that shit. And uh, I think it was like early World, like World War One kind of times, where the idea was we were gonna. We just had a, an entire boat full of explosives. <laughs> like, we just loaded the entire cargo of the boat. And the idea was we were dead ass just going to drive this boat into some port to help with World War One to fuck over Germany or whatever. And instead, uh, we, and we were going to stop over at Halifax to do our final refuel to then cross the Atlantic. Instead, some mm -hmm. fires happened on the boat. Shit was getting out of control. And people on the ship realized, oh, fuck, there is nothing that can now stop the, this boat going up. So they just get off the boat and are running through the streets like, get the fuck out of here, everybody. And, uh, you know, that was not a sufficient enough uh, method to evacuate Halifax. <laughs> no. So that boat blew up most of Halifax, like many, many casualties. And that then led to the U.S. going, oh, shit, sorry, let's send a ton of medical aid up to Canada, and now we're friends. 
I actually think I remember reading about this maybe when I was in high school. I, but yeah, you'd actually learn about it. something we did a project on. It definitely <laughs> strengthened the U.S.-Canadian bond because we act straight up accidentally like, no, man, we did not mean to do we were trying to. We were trying to send this like jackass stunt of a boat over to Europe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I really want to go to well, Halifax. I want to go to these like... I, I also want to attend the West Coast, but I've only ever been to Toronto like eight times and one other uh, Ontario town, and that's it. As a Vancouverite uh, or someone in the lower mainland, Toronto is ugh. <laughs> I've only been to, uh, I haven't really been to Toronto proper in a real way. The only time I've been there was when I was two nights in Niagara Falls uh, last Whoa. November for my Canada's Got Talent audition. Niagara is a messed up town. There's just nothing there. It's just tourists and garbage. <laughs> it is a touristy garbage town a little bit. It's, it's yeah. very depressing. Actually. <laughs> it's pretty, though, at night walking around. Oh, yeah, the falls are nice. freaking gorgeous. And nighttime is probably nice because all the crappy, um, all the American kids have left. I shouldn't say American. Crappy Canadian kids also. There's crappy American Canadian and Crappy American and Canadian kids. Uh, <laughs> but also, like, the signage, the places there, I liked it a lot. It reminded me of, like, a cheesy Vegas. Lots of neon signs, yeah. old classic kind of, like, roadside attraction vibe. It was not the worst city I've ever been in, but... You know, I was there for Canada's Got Talent, so how good could it have been? <laughs> I would like it if it was all local stuff, but it's like Ripley's, believe it or not. It's like a bunch of carny yeah. stuff that's definitely from the U.S. It's the only place in Canada, I think, that has like a Hooters or a Rainforest <laughs> Cafe or whatever. <laughs> Damn it, I went to Boston Pizza. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's a Canadian chain. I know. Proper. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's pretty uh, average. We got a cheeseburger pizza. Yep, they make weird pizzas there. It's fun. Well, they're they're trying anything at this point. I'm into it. I like that. We we haven't been to CC's Pizza here. Do you know of CC's Pizza, the buffet here in the U.S.? I've heard of it, but I haven't been. They had macaroni and cheese pizza on their ads. That was the big thing. Like, <laughs> come on, seven year olds, <laughs> scream at your parents until they bring you to CC's I, Pizza I Buffet. Macaroni and cheese pizza? Are you kidding me? That sounds carbs awesome. On my carbs, on my car. <laughs> it is very good. Well, Cassidy. What can you plug for us before you go? If you want to plug the campaign, like I said, it's probably going to, if you haven't decided how you're voting yet, Canadians, you're probably <laughs> not listening to this podcast. But Cassidy, you do a lot of music. Yes, uh, I do a lot of music. I've done one song with you, in fact. Uh, I have a whole breadth of uh, content. I have and one album out. I have like five singles separately out. I've started to slowly begin ramping up production on my second album now album number two because i am gonna be guest of honor at a con or two cons now next august so i've kind of been thinking like maybe i should try and get another thing done which is just what i need right now so once this election is done on october 15th uh definitely hoping for the best uh, when we've been door knocking it's overwhelmingly positive towards my dad I, I think that there's so much money. We didn't even talk about that, but that's been a big part of this campaign too, is the money uh, BC banned companies from donating. So now to work around oh. that, uh, they dropped the max donation. And so no companies can donate now. So instead of getting, you know, the developer company, Ani or Marcon that are donating, instead now you have the CEO, the entire board of directors, their family, and the, the, the donor list for some on? of the other candidates this campaign has been 
very clear who they stand for. And it's been a tentpole issue in this election where my dad has made it clear, no developer money. We have a group of candidates that are working with us that the condo side gleefully calls a slate. Oh, they're the slate of uh, Milani candidates, but it's like, or the slate of candidates not taking any developer money. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder why you don't like us. So, is there a maximum donation there for private individuals? Because there yes. is here. Yep. 1250. 1250. Oh, wow. That's way lower. Than- <laughs> I was going to say here, you can do like, I think it's six grand. Oh, yeah. They dropped it big time here after they banned corporate donations. But We've got Citizens United, which is a Supreme Court decision that uh, mm. constitutes political donations as speech. So it is protected in the same way that free speech is uh, protected. And that sounds like something that would be in cyberpunk. Wow. I love your real. Supreme Court. You guys should definitely keep that forever. Yeah. That and Everyone's the Electoral like- College. You know, if it ain't broke. <laughs> If it ain't broke, I think we should get rid of the fucking Senate. The Senate is bullshit. <laughs> like, hey, I want to get rid of the uh, Canadian a, Senate. You have a Senate? Yes. You don't just have your, you don't just have parliament? It's not just, I guess there's a great, uh, an upper and lower chamber, right? Uh, there is a Senate uh, and the senators are appointed by the prime minister. Oh, that's how it used to be here. They were appointed, appointed by the governors and that got removed. But I'm sure you've heard the stat. There's a hundred senators. Every state or 50 states get two each. And mm-hmm. I think 48 of them represent. It's like 6% of the total U.S. population. Oh, I know. But I've seen those numbers. they have that much power. Yeah. yeah and it's the same way here. Uh, uh, I don't remember the numbers because they're all arbitrary and dumb but british columbia has got a big population and we don't get as many senators in in there as some of the other provinces in in canada which is ridiculous and dumb and bad but uh going for the canadian stuff i'm pretty ndp i've got my own beliefs uh in in the canadian system i suppose I go to the U.S. and I'm very much a progressive because I'm like, yeah, healthcare and legal weed and Cassie. It's been fantastic having you on. Thank you do, for having me. We're gonna ye- we're gonna yell bye and hold it up like bye. Okay. Bye. 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 bye.